Hello and welcome back to the NTT podcast. Uh, we are recording live on signing day. I'm your host with the most and the French toast, Coach Jimmy Neutron of the Rochester Boy Geniuses. And then we got a coach who's feeling uh, not so spoiled right now. We got Coach Cheese of the uh, Yuma Favorite Deputy on the line. Coach, how you doing? What's up, nerds? I'm all right. I don't have any fancy rhymes, but we're hanging in there. Uh, uh, they'll come with times. Nailed it. All right. Yeah, that was, it, I was rhyming times with rhymes for those of you. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we have a little bit of a rough day here on uh, signing day for the two of us, but we're going to power through. I know that signing day for some of you feels like uh, like Christmas morning, and for other of you, it feels like you just had some Taco Bell. Uh, I'm usually more on the end of the Taco Bell. Spent a lot of time in the bathroom leading up to, and today I spent a lot of time in the bathroom after my signing day. So uh, how, how'd signing day go for you, Coach? Yeah, we uh, we lost all our ties. Um, so we had two four fours, and we had a lottery on Patrick Palmer. Um, so missed out, got three cleared. Three more glue guys to add to our team of glue guys, and um, we're ranked 194. So, <laughs> 185 yeah. last for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're jump. We dropped. So we're and we'll talk a lot about this a little bit more. But we finished the year number seven in the nation, and we come in the year ranked 110th after wow. losing a pretty good class. We landed the 183, 141 class. So pretty rough day here in Rochester, and. And I will say, I, I know it's a rough day for quite a few of you. I was sitting here at like 11.07 after I processed everything. and was like pretty upset. And I was just like, man, this is going to ruin my whole day. But I just realized I do this game for fun. I know you do too, coach. Uh, and if, if I'm going to let it ruin days or steal joy for me, um, it's something that I need to reevaluate, reevaluate I, on whether or not I'm doing it, you know. so I literally was on the phone with somebody driving home from Ikea today and said to him, uh, you know what? This is a fake simulated basketball video game, not video game, text game that I play on my computer. It's going to be okay. It is. It is. You know, uh, both of us are, are building families and, and both of us, I mean, for those of you at home that don't know, both Cheese and I are Christians. And, and so that, that brings a whole different level of where we find joy and things like that. But, but I would just encourage you if you're, if you're feeling down, like I am, I know there's some really good coaches that had really bad teams um you're probably not even listening to this <laughs> but but if you are I just want to encourage you that hey it's a game it's for fun and if league 31 is really that frustrating for you join another league they're pretty they're a lot easier i'll just tell you that in um, league 42 chumps like me can find the 3-1 class right right yeah yeah you can anyone <laughs> can luck into anything then right it's true <laughs> well yeah that's deep man building families all about that oh yeah you know it uh, <laughs> all right. Hey, well, let's, uh, let's jump into it before we, uh, get too deep here and people have to listen to me cry over a podcast. That would be incredibly awkward. Um, so we're going to do things a little bit differently today. So we did get about 15 guys that people wanted to talk about, and we'll talk through those on the prefs. Um, to be honest, I think a lot of your guys' takeaways on these guys and the prefs are going to be similar to ours. Some of them will just make sense. And some of them just like, don't make sense at all, but we'll, we'll process that a, a little bit. Um, I do I, I really enjoy thinking about just the overall overview of League 31 and how like these different classes change what the top of the league looks like. So we're going to do that a little bit more and we're going to uh, kick the podcast off by doing that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to look through the uh, top 10 classes. I'm going to give you who they are, who they're coached by, and then just their top guy 
Uh, and a lot of these top guys for these top classes are the top guys that people want to talk about anyways. And then we're going to sort of talk through, like, if we believe these classes really are the top 10 classes, how it changes the outlook of uh, of League 31. And we'll talk about a little bit of last year's top 10 and, and sprinkle in just some studs that don't get recognized in the top 10 here. So you good with that, Cheese? If I said no, we'd have a uh, difficult time doing this. Right. And once again, they would have to hear me cry online. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> let's let's jump into it. Uh, so our number one over class, overall class is a team that is pretty consistently in the NTT and even has won some titles. We've got Gulf Shores, coached by Buford Hawk. Uh, their their class is really led by uh, Joshua Kraft. Uh, he's a six nine guy who had two point nine offensive rebounds, five point three assists, four point six blocks. I know he was in a one one with the uh, uh, champs Waterloo. Um, we then look at the number two class is Seattle, coached by Jocko. I know he's had some bad classes here in the last couple of years, so this is really fun to see him break the tie on 6'10", Matthew Taylor, who's averaging 27 points a game on 61% true shooting and 4.2 offensive rebounds per game. That's absurd. Uh, we got Atlanta, coached by Coach Chadillac. Um, he, really, he landed a guy I was on, so he landed Jorge White, uh, who was a 2-2 with uh, me and another OK team. Uh, so Jorge White had 3.1 offensive boards, 4.6 assists, 3.8 blocks. I'm going to tell you, I'm a, I'm a little salty about Jorge White. Uh, he wanted to win, and we were clearly the best team on him. Um, I don't know if – do you know this, Coach? Do you know if recruits look at, like, future makeup of the team? So if they're like, okay, you've been winning, but I think that this roster is going to be better next year. On paper, I don't think they do. Right. I don't know what goes on in the mind of an 18-year-old, but... Right. That, um, that's a great point. One thing, one quick thing I noticed, though, is both Gulf Shores and Atlanta graduated 200-plus uh, classes and right. in these top five groups. Um, so all, it's always a win to bring in a top 10 class, but when you can go from bottom-of-the-barrel talent to top-tier talent overnight, that can really change your program. So I'm excited to see what these guys do. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, you even look at Gulf Shores. So they finished the year 32nd on the year. They they were a PTT team, a, a two-seed in the PTT. Um, and then they graduate clearly their worst class and land the one-two class. Uh, so I mean, they bring back they all, are, starters, all five of their starters, and then they have a one-two class. Right, right. So I would assume that those starters change up. And this is a team that already has two championships and, and uh, three championship games they've played in. Um, so I think that that's really exciting. And then, yeah, Atlanta barely made the NTT last year. And then so to see them land a really, really good class means that they actually could do some damage in the NTT. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I like this. Let's go through like the, the three by three. Right. Maybe we'll do the last four together. So the next three teams in the top ten. Uh, so we have New York City coached by Go, Go OSU. I like to say what's that? I thought it was Goose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to say goose, especially because I don't want to. I don't want anyone to believe I'm cheering for OSU. Um, so he has a pretty balanced class, but I would say that the best guy is Justin Rollins, who's a five eleven guy, who averaged twenty three point four points per game on fifty six percent true shooting with five point six assists and one point seven steals. So really, an offensive creator. We then have Long Beach, coached by OK David. Uh, he landed Jacob Ghana, who I think is a, a stud. So he gets a six eight. Four offensive rebounds per game, 5.4 assists, 3.1 blocks. Uh, that's pretty exciting. And then Carnegie lands 
yet again, another guy I was on. So of the top six classes, their best guy, uh, two of the best guys were guys I was on. I'm pretty sad. Uh, so Daniel Johnson is six, seven. He was a local guy. Uh, so he scored 26 points per game on 65% true shooting. And he got a steal and a block per game uh, in those. So what do you, what are your takeaways from these three teams? Uh, anything stand out to you? These guys are good for a reason. Uh, Jacob Gauna was uh, one of the guys that people had asked about, um, ended up going to Long Beach. Um, not a scorer, but hitting 56% from the field. Uh, almost 13 rebounds, five assists, three blocks. Um, yeah, that's crazy numbers. That is pretty insane. So I'm just looking at their lineup. What's interesting about their roster in Long Beach is they, uh, besides the freshman Isaac Andrews, they don't have another player over 6'9". Um, mm. but they've got one, two, three, four, five, now six guys between six, seven and six, nine. <clears throat> so translation is lots of options, um, for guys sliding into roster spots. Um, actually, excuse me, two of those, two of those six, seven guys are seniors that graduated. Um, but still uh, a number of six, five guys. So they have guys that can kind of play multiple positions, which brings me back to Jacob Gauna, who played center in high school, but looks like one of those guys that can move into different spots. So um, if I'm coach, okay, David, I'm tinkering with the lineup here in scrimmages a lot and seeing where he fits best because he's obviously the kind of player that you can build a program around. Um, and with the height they have, I think they have a lot of options. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, even with 1.6 steals, uh, I, I look at him and he's a pretty prototypical small forward for me, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're lacking height, which Long Beach is like lacking that top end height. Right. Um, and so I think he's the kind of guy where you can move him like just on the best defender two through five. <laughs> Honestly, if your roster was taller, he, he could probably even play one um, and then just let him lock down a guy. And, and I think that that's a really fun thing. Uh, the team I want to talk about in these three. Um, and we'll get back to New York City, but Carnegie here, they land Daniel Johnson. So they go, Conference 6 was pretty brutal last year, and they finish 6-7 and seven in the conference. But they end up 71st in the nation, which is pretty decent. Um, and then they come into this year all the way rank, ranked at 15th with their freshman class at 10-6. And you look at the other two guys in the class, like, they're decent, but I wouldn't say that they're, like, world beaters. Vito Holiday is actually pretty He's a decent – I would I would saw him in the power forward because he doesn't get a lot of blocks. But Daniel Johnson, I mean, 65% true shooting on 26 points per game. Uh, that's probably going to translate to like 32, 33 points per game uh, with a re- like really, really high uh, efficiency. And so I think Carnegie's, once again, you know, they're, they're a program that's been to the PTT the last four years, but before that made uh, 10 NTTs and, and did a lot of damage. I think that they're going to be back – in making some damage or making some noise in the NTT. So word. Yeah. Let's go to the uh, final four of our top 10. So we have Springfield coached by Kit Akron. Uh, They landed six two Alfonso Avery who scored 27.7 points per game with 2.7 assists. We got Duluth. So Porter landed two uh, studs, but Jacob Stahl is probably the takeaway. So he had 18.7 points per game, 5.4 assists, 1.6 steals, but it's like I said, pretty balanced class. Austin, coached by Coach Dickey, uh, landed Blaine Hicks, who's a 6'3 guy, averaging almost 30 points a game and 3.1 assists. Uh, his class is made up of all guards. And then we have Anaheim, who uh, just landed two absolute studs uh, and huge ties. So he landed Patrick Palmer, who's the number two recruit in the nation, uh, who was averaging 4.3 offensive rebounds per game, 
5.1 assists, 4.7 blocks. And we got Ruben Noble, who is averaging 27.8 points per game on 63% true shooting and 2.3 assists. So pretty crazy class for War Beagle here. He asked about both of these guys on the boards uh, and then ends up landing them both. So I think I know the secret to landing my guys in the future. Uh, but what do you see in this class? strategy sure doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, all these guys are so good. Honestly, uh, I think Austin has an amazing class. Um, all three of their guys are scoring 20 points a game, um, and they're all right around 60%, 60% true shooting. Um, Glimpf is maybe the, the least efficient 47% from the field, um, but I think those other two, uh, depending on what they want to do with Nicholas Barber, I think those other two guys, Hicks and Wilson, could be starters for them. Um, they, they lost their shooting guard and small forward uh, from a year ago. Um, at 6'3", I don't know if he would put Hicks or Wilson at small forward. Um, probably one of the 6'7 uh, freshmen they had last year would slide in there. Um, but they have options too, and I think they're going to be one of those teams this year that's just hard to hard to guard because every position can give you, you know, 15, 20 points if it wants to. Um, they, they probably have four of those guys in their starting lineup this year, and I think it's going to be really tough. Uh, Blaine Hicks, I mean, uh, 30 points, uh, a few assists, or three assists, a few rebounds every game. Um, he's going to be a stud, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, super, super efficient class to add what what is that 70 points per game that's pretty wild um i will say he played a 6-3 small forward Mm -hmm. last year um and so he's not opposed to doing it and then you know they make the sweet 16 last year uh so i do think that this is austin's sort of window to win so their seniors are uh all they're all of their bigs their 16 27 class um kind of holds down their team and then their other two classes are just not that good. And so I think the freshmen and seniors are going to have to carry this class. Um, and then, and I think you're right. This Austin team is going to be really good, but this is kind of their window, sure. you know? Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll say um, just going back to the top 10 list. I think Anaheim is way underrated. Uh, I don't understand how they're not the one, one class, you know, um, I understand with yeah. mobile, yeah, yeah, mobile lands Julian Moore. They get the twenty-seven-one class, um, so that that's a pretty pretty great class. But I really, really like Anaheim's class. Um, so, would are there any teams here that you would say like surprise you as a top ten class? I didn't know you were going to ask me that, Coach. <laughs> how about how about I jump in first? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a really good class, uh, but I would say uh, New York City's freshman class is actually pretty surprising to me. And so you had Colin Biggs, who was a was like a glue center, but he's six seven, and so he'll probably be able to play small forward for them. But they also have Kevin Williams, who played small forward last year and was a was a stu- absolute stud. So he think he's a glue guy, and then you got Christopher Webb, who also could probably play small forward. Um, and Justin Rollins, but Justin Rollins is 5'11", and I just think that shorter point guard, he's, he's going to slot into point guard for them. Uh, they graduated their starting point guard, but um, I just think uh, it's not the sort of class that you typically see in the top 10, and so it, they're like decent scorers, but okay efficiency at 55% true shooting across the board. 
Um, and so I think Justin Rollins is good, but again, five eleven typically uh, limits that upside. Sure, sure. Um, I do have one one thing I want to say about Springfield's class, um, and it's not necessarily that I don't think they deserve to be top ten. Um, Avery's ridiculously talented, and and Kevin Hawkins is legit. Um, their third guy, Akshay Hanchi, uh, is another one of these glue guys. Um, my, my thought is I'm surprised that there's not a bigger gap between the two mag ratings. It's a 512 class, um, uh, good for number seven overall, right? Um, right. But I, I would have expected it to be, I don't know, maybe the 330 class or something. Um, I don't even know if I'm making up those numbers right, but. I wonder if I wonder how good Hanchi really is, um, and how much he brings. You know that you don't see on paper. Uh, only forty percent from the field. You know he's he's only six points a game, um, but he does everything else decently well, if not really good. Um, so six six power forward in high school, maybe he maybe he plays as a defensive two or a defensive three. Um, it, it just an interesting guy to watch, and I'm surprised that there's not more distance between those two numbers. Sure. And I actually, I think you're, what you're trying to say is that uh, not that you would have expected it to be the 330 class, but the 30 Okay. I always class. get it backwards. Yeah. Yep. 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 And so for those of you who are new or who are, or who don't know, um, this is at least somewhat speculation, but I'm pretty sure K Money has confirmed this. So we have the Sim Hoops and the Hardwood uh, magazine ranking. So Sim Hoops is first, Hardwood is second. Uh, Sim Hoops takes into account all three of your guys how they um, sort of add up compared to everyone. And then hardwood takes the top two. And so when you have like a big discrepancy, like mobile has, so they have the 27 one class. What that means is either his top guy or his top two guys are absolute studs or the third guy is really, really bad. So like last year um, I, or let's look at my team. So I have my juniors are the 150, 198. Uh, my two juniors in that class that start are not that good. They're, they're fine. They're good. But my third junior is, uh, came in at minus six. And so what you see is like that third guy takes down the first one pretty lowly. And, and so when you see classes like New York cities, that's two, eight, you typically have a little bit more of a balanced class. Mm -hmm. So, um, coach, can I ask you a question, uh, on this? Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little more about Patrick Palmer. Um, Seven yes, two please. center ended up as the number two recruit. Um, his scout was a fair scout, good minus, poor plus, E plus, fair plus, good plus. Um, so you know, if you uh, you do the math, he's maybe projecting on paper at a four ish, um, mm -hmm. you know, plus or minus. Uh, I think general wisdom would say the four to five range for a big guy has the potential to be elite. You're not looking for a big right. necessarily to be plus eight, plus nine. Um, right. But it seemed like his numbers uh, dropped off a bit the longer the season wore on. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I guess he did keep his rebounds up. Um, but uh, his assist did dip a little bit. Um, his defensive numbers um, – Stayed pretty consistent block-wise, but the steals did go down. I guess I'm – the question I want to ask about Patrick Palmer is, was he worth it? It seems like every year there's one or two of these stud centers that are double-digit ties. 
Um, and, you know, the number one guy, Palmer, ended up being the number two. Um, he was a 10-10 tie on signing day, I think a little higher earlier in the year. As you're thinking through, you know, if you want to go for it and swing for the fences, is a 10-10 worth it for a guy like this? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so my, my general inclination is no. I like I, Generally speaking, I like smaller ties. Um, but I think when you look at the tie for him versus what Matthew Taylor was also a 10-10, right? Um, now, they're a little bit of a different player. Uh, so Matthew Taylor scores 27 points a game. Whereas, uh, but doesn't get very many defensive numbers. Whereas you have Patrick Palmer, who is scoring, you know, eleven points a game, but four point seven blocks. Um, I I think him. So you said he was P scouted defense, right? Uh he was a fair scout. Oh, uh, or fair oh, scout, fair scout, four plus defense. defense, yeah. Four plus defense. So I I think and that, he, that could. He started off the year five point six blocks, so it did dip to four point seven, which okay. still, I mean, you know, yep. Yeah. So I, I would say that he actually probably is a fair defender, if not a poor defender. Um, it He might be good. I could be wrong, but um, I would guess because he only has 0.1 steals per game. And so I would assume that that rating is pretty low for him. And then I would be a little bit scared about his uh, on ball defense. Uh, now, luckily, people don't have like really like barn burner centers usually in DTL. Um, but I, I would say like, you know, he's a decent rim protector. Sometimes you have to, like, I've had significant block numbers drop off just because sometimes in high school you're playing, and it's really hard to project, but you're playing like tons of six, five centers because teams are just really unbalanced. Right. And so it's like, you're going to, you're of course going to eat. And so I would say like, I would much rather get in uh, like a, a five, five or a six, six for a guy that is, is pretty much almost as good. Although Patrick Palmer being seven, two, I do think that that is pretty significant. Um, but once again, he can really only then play one position, um, which is a hard position to fill. But where do you so go ahead? My, go ahead. I was gonna I was gonna follow up another question. Where do you think he ends up in this league? Is he in the conversation with James Jones, Vincent Jenkins? Is he a Devonte Nolan, Jose Price guy? Right. I don't think so, and that's only because like most of those guys could score, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so. We talk about James Jones because he's 6'10 and could play three through five and is going to score 35 points per game. Um, and while it's really, really valuable to have a guy that blocks four or five blocks per game, and, and you know, I won my championship on the back of two guys who are yeah. getting four blocks per game. Yep. But uh, they're just not the guys that we're going to talk about in 15 years. And, and while that's not maybe 15 seasons, I mean, and maybe while that's not fair, um, it, it's just a reality that like, if you can't score, uh, you're you're not always going to get the recognition you deserve, sure. right? That's where now that's in not, the top twenty every not, night, right? Right. If you're not scoring that's and true. scoring efficiently, the the game does not put you up there with the greats, right? It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're yeah. getting like triple yeah. doubles, um, yeah. So I love these bigs who get like four offensive rebounds, five assists, five, three to five blocks per game. Like that's a I think that's a really significant player on a team, but it's hard to say that any guy at a 10, 10 is worth it. Yeah. Right. I'm on a 19, 19 now in 42. So. <laughs> yeah. That, dropped, that guy he dropped from 21. Well, he absurd. He's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And his stats have dropped him significantly, but I we don't know. need to talk about that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so let's look. No. I, oh, all ahead. right. Let's move on. 
I, I, okay, well, I'll just say, let's look not to discourage Anaheim. This is a great <laughs> class, and they're going to be good. Oh, totally. And I think Anaheim's going to be really good. They already had a, a stud sophomore class. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be a great guy, but the 1010 is potentially not worth it in the future. Um, okay, let's quickly look at last year's top 10. And I just kind of want to see like who you think uh, is still going to be relevant and who lost significantly. So I'll just read the top 10 real quick. I'm not going to read their, what they lost and what they didn't lose. So we had Waterloo, Nashville, Rockford, Clearwater, Cedar Rapids, Blacksburg, uh, a couple of conference six teams in Rochester and Concord, and then Eugene and Salt Lake City. Uh, and so, yeah, are any of these teams like significantly out of it just based on this one class? And, and do you feel like it, other classes are, or other teams just aren't going to be that affected? Um, well, just starting from the top, now we're here. Waterloo, I mean, defending champs, congratulations. <laughs> Such a great story. I don't know if, if you guys saw G Money's post on the boards. He took over six years ago as the number 256 ranked team. So, um, really rags to riches over that span is super cool, uh, to see they, uh, they lost a 34 47 class. So, um, a not insignificant part of their lineup, but only one of those guys was starting their center, Austin Burdett, um, who wasn't a scorer. Um, so they, even though they're not landing, <clears throat> uh, great scores, they're not losing much in terms of the offensive firepower. Um, my question is, uh, you know, what they're going to do with that center position. And then they had two, six, seven guys off the bench that were seniors as well. Uh, didn't look incredibly right. efficient last year. Um, but yeah, that center spot's a question mark. Savion Lassiter is their 6'11 freshman they signed. Um, he he was getting 10 rebounds and four assists a game, so could plug in there. Uh, I think this is still a really mm-hmm. good team. Um yeah, and I think Lucas Cruz might move to the center position. He got four blocks sure. per game in high school. Uh, and then you put Lassiter at the power forward position. I think that that's probably how it shakes mm-hmm. out, but I guess we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, yeah. The uh, yeah. the other team that jumped out of me right away um, was Rockford. I mean, I think they're still really, really good, even after losing a, a 1-1 class, which is crazy. Um, right. They reloaded with an 11-15. Right. So, you know, if this next man up uh, – you know, who's been sitting on their bench waiting for their turn uh, behind Jonathan Brown and Caden Keys. Um, so we'll see. I think Rockford's good. They're preseason number one for a reason. Yep. Yeah. I, w- I would say a couple teams that lost a lot. I would look at Nashville, us in Rochester, and then Concord. Uh, so, I mean, I think that Nashville is in the best shape out of all three of us, and, and the rankings agree they're like 50th. Or something, but they lost the two-two class, and then bringing the one sixteen one forty-eight class. But they lose, you know, those two all-league guys uh, in Riversmith and, and Richard, uh, whatever his last name was, um, Sanders. Yeah, of course, their point guard. And so he doesn't bring anyone that like really replaces that. So it's going to be tough. Uh, we lose the fifty-eight twenty-one class, headlined by uh, plus ten Raymond Glover, and then bringing a one one eighty-three one forty-one class that is overall plus six. And so, uh, and then of course we dropped from eighth all the way to 110th and then conquered, they lose a 15, six class was, uh, like headlined by Michael or Daniel Michael, who was just an all league scorer conference player of the year, four times. Then they bring in the two fifty two thirty class. And, uh, I can't remember exactly, but I think they dropped to like one eighty ninth. Uh, and so that's yeah. One eighty seventh. So that's pretty significant. 
Uh, I think that the top 10 is going to shake up a lot. I mean, some of these good teams just reloaded. I think Waterloo, Rockford, uh, Clearwater are sort of, and, and Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. are sort of here mm-hmm. to say, oh, and Blacksburg. Um, but I think that there's like wide open room, especially with some of these teams who landed top 10 teams, like we were talking about Austin, Anaheim. I think that they have real shots this sure. year at the NTT. Um, so just a quick spend- note on Salt Lake oh, City. Um, I think important to mention them, just, you know, number one all-time wins, number one all-time uh, power ranking. Brought in 130, 130 144, and lost 46-67. So <clears throat> that's a little bit of a disparity. I don't think they're going to drop off too much this year. Um, the reason being they mm. they now this year have the 3-2 senior class. Um with Tanner and Nuye uh, leading that leading that charge, so I think these guys are going to be okay this year and still be able to challenge. Um, my question for them, though, is what happens next year <clears throat> if they again don't land a, a stellar class? Um, there are four classes right yeah. now. Two of them are a bit below the top 100, and two of them are are top 25 with their seniors being three two. So they've got one more, I think, solid year where their talents there. Yeah, yeah, I think those are all great points. Um, cool. Well, let's spend our last 15 minutes talking about some guys people wanted to talk about. Um, we're not going to read, like, the teams that were on them. I'll let you know how big a tie they were, their prefs, and then um, where they landed. And then I'll, I'm going to ask Cheese here, like, why he thinks they landed where they did. And so we have uh, Julian Moore is our first guy. So he was in a 7-7 from Conference 8. Uh, he, he was G local. Uh, P win and G plus uh, impact. He was F scouted E G G E P F. And then he landed with mobile. Um, Let me go ahead and pair him though with another guy that landed with mobile. So we also had Kevin Grant from conference eight, another local guy who was good minus local, good win, uh, fair impact. And then he was in a two, two. uh, And then he was F scouted like plus five uh, and, and kind of a scoring big. Uh, who also landed with mobile. So why do you think that these two guys landed uh, with mobile? Yeah. Um, gosh, to be honest, this is hard for me with these tabs open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm trying to get it. So both these guys were from uh, conference eight original. Um, right. And it's interesting right. to me. It, it's always interesting to me when two guys who had similar hometowns go to the same team. Um, regardless of preference, Mm. because I just assume uh, these guys know each other from high school and from the AAU circuit. Um, So I always think that plays into things. I don't know if that's built into the game, but it's what I like to think Um, that, you know, you've been playing with these guys since you were 12 years old. um, And then you both have the talent to go to a high level program. um, And we team up together. So, I think that had something to do with it. Um, but where is where is this guy on the sheet, man? Kevin Grant. Where'd he go? Uh, he's all the oh, way. Okay, I got to scroll down. So, um, yeah, so the, <laughs> the lo- all I was going to say is the local preference uh, definitely was a factor. That's not rocket science. Yeah. 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 I mean, both guys wanted to say local. What's interesting is you have Julian Moore – who's poor win and good plus impact. And then you have Kevin Grant, who's good win and fair impact. And so you would assume that like both of 
Right, right. But that's not how it works. And mobile. So they ended up being a Sweet 16 team. So that affects um, Grant, right? And then, but they also lose Julian Woodard, who was their 6A, like, do everything small forward. And so they actually lost a decent amount of talent as well. And so it's like a really good combination of winning and opportunity that I think Julian more than so like, Oh, I'm going to be the leading scorer on this team. I'm going to slot into the, uh, the four or five position uh, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get the ball. Uh, And so Kevin Grant gets to win. And then uh, Julian Moore gets Mm -hmm. to make an impact. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's, Let's go ahead and jump uh, to Cameron Reichel. So he's from Conference 28. He was a 7-7. He was in minus local, uh, none uh, win, and good minus impact. He ended up landing with a class we've already talked about in Atlanta. And so why do you think that Cameron Reichel landed in Atlanta? You can edit this out. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know if I can, but I'll see if I can. I would, if not, this will be... If I thought be... you couldn't, I would have like filled the time with, with my chatter or something. Oh, you're good. You're good. If, if, uh, if I can't, this will oh, be endearing. Oh, so, right, so everyone? good. Okay, <laughs> Reichel, man. Um, he did not want to stay home. Uh, he did not care about winning, and he really wanted to make an impact. So the impact prep is your key. Uh, interestingly, Atlanta lost uh, a sub 200 class uh, and, and brought in a really good right. one. So that would seem to go against the impact pref when you think those better guys are getting older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Atlanta is a really good case, like case study of, so they were kind of in the middle where you don't want to be where it's like they, they made the NTT, but they were nine seed and didn't, they lost their first round and then didn't do particularly well Ended the year ranked 60, 66, but then they're also not graduating any seniors and have a decent amount of height. And so it's like, all right, impact's not going to help me. And winning is just barely going to help me. But you look Cameron Reichel wanted to make an impact. He ends up landing with them. Jorge white wanted to win. Uh, he's the guy I was talking about me being on earlier. He ended up landing with them. And so it's like, even if you're like that middle of the road team, sometimes it comes down to the random number generator. Uh, and so Atlanta is one of those teams where it's like, it's hard to sort of see why they uh, landed the class they did, but good for them. You know, you're not going to question landing both. A and seven, it seven comes and back a to your two. question from earlier. Does the possibility of future winning factor in here? Because with a team like Atlanta, right. that's kind of on the cusp of being great. You can foresee two guys that have the talent to make that happen, wanting to go here um, to do just that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, let's go ahead and talk about the next guy. Um, so we have Matthew Moat, uh, another guy I was on. So he's from conference 12. He was in a five, five. He had none local fair plus win and fair uh, impact. And so uh, some good teams that were on him since he wanted to win were Rockford and, and us. Uh, and then since he also kind of wanted to make an impact, Shawnee and silver city were kind of at the end of like their, um, the the talent level uh and then shawnee ends up landing him uh and so if you look at this my my guess is i'm actually confused why he landed with them 
Um, but do you have any other thoughts on? Uh, yeah, no, on I, I was. You would think with the win prep, he would go the other way. Um, but fair plus isn't that strong, you know. So it goes. I think it goes back to what right. does right. What does fair plus versus good versus good plus really mean? Right, right. And mm-hmm. how big a difference mm-hmm. is there between those? Yeah, yeah. Because he ends up going with Hunter Hankins, who is also a pretty good player. Um, and then Gavin Gamble is also – I mean, this whole class is really good and probably underrated at the 39-34 class. And so – but, you know, they're a PTT, RTT team uh, fairly consistently. My guess is that uh, – oh, man, he has said how to say his last name, and it's not how you would say it. It's Vernod, but ah, uh, it's not the – I think it's Vernod. Um, so – I, I, my guess is just that he's a really funny guy and the guy, the co- the players were like, we want moat was like, I really want to play with him. Uh, Rochester's coach is a little dry. Um, Rockford's coach is a nice guy, but I really like playing for funny people. And so he ended up with Shawnee word. That's my best guess though. Yep. All right, let's go to Edgardo Bates. So he's from conference 10. He was a two, two also uh, another Rockford guy. He was poor minus local F plus win and good plus um impact he ended up with rockford which is a little bit confusing because rockford does not land the guy that wants to win but then lands the guy that yeah, wants the, to make the impact, impact is what has me so, scratching my head there um g, g plus and yeah. think well good luck with all the talent they have on the roster right right yeah it's confusing because you look at their team okay they they do graduate the one one three starters right and, and, so and they're starting backcourt like, uh, All right. You know, for a six five guy that played small forward in high school, you got to think that's what he's got his eyes on. Right, right. And so I would assume he probably actually does get that uh, one of those positions, although Sebastian Gentry looks pretty good, put up pretty efficient numbers um, from the bench. Uh, but but you look at him and he's kind of the only one that really stands out to me as a guy who's going to take one of those spots. So he probably does end up getting a spot, but. Yeah, he's not going to get to score as much as he would have right, right. if he went elsewhere. So, a little bit confusing to me, uh, which is the theme of the podcast. All right, we talked about Patrick Palmer, um, but he does end up landing in Anaheim. So, he has the uh, non-local fair plus win and good minus impact. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Patrick Palmer, why he might have landed with Am- um, Anaheim? I don't. It's It's interesting – to me, when there's a guy like Patrick Palmer who doesn't have a higher impact preference because I think he could have one if he wanted to. But that doesn't speak into the question hmm. right. of his decision. Right, right. Well, I do see they graduate um, one of their backcourt guys. So they still had Tyreek Patterson, who's manning the center position. You would assume, though, Patrick Palmer is like, I, I get some play that center position and getting to play a long Tyreek, uh, putting him in the power forward position. Um, I think that Patrick Palmer, even though we talked about maybe not worth the Tenton tie, still a good enough guy to where his, uh, he knows he's where good you, enough to play anywhere. Where so do you like if, a big if, that can pass at the power forward or the center spot? Uh, it, it definitely depends on how big. Um, so a Patrick Palmer center is fine. I think center and power forward, get about the same amount of usage i think power forward we did the math one time on just like one season and i think power forward is literally like one touch more or uh or something like that so it's it's not necessarily significant like the difference between like a Mm -hmm. small forward and power forward is 
Uh, and so if he's anywhere between 6'8 and 6'10 and can really pass, I actually mm-hmm. really want him at the small forward position. Um, but if I'm, we're just talking four or five, yeah. uh, either one is fine with me. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into some other guys. Uh, so we have Samuel Murray. So he was a 4-4, uh, and his local pref was excellent with a fair, fair, um, good pref and a poor uh, impact pref. So he ended up landing with Los Angeles. Uh, and my guess is that the excellent impact just sort of took the day. There, yeah, well, he Los Angeles was in region for him, um, but out of conference. And there were two. He's from conference number two. Mm-hmm. There were two teams in our conference that were on him. Um, so you know, not the biggest surprise in the world, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he had gone to Phoenix or Santa Fe either. Um, although I think with a with a higher impact preference. Uh, a team like Phoenix or Santa Fe would have had a better chance um, because they're, they're both programs that could really use, uh, you know, a guy that wants to be a star. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he wanted to win, you know, uh, with that fair. And so I, I would have guessed that he was going to go to Santa Fe here, just being excellent in conference and wanting to win. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. where do you go? Los Angeles. Yeah, they're they're fine. They're not that good. Um, so, yeah, well, another he's, bit. Of he's going to be one, the so. only guy Just, over six nine on that roster. Is the thing about Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, just a poor impact rating, but that poor is still something, you know. Um, okay, let's run through these last couple ones just because I have to pee and go. Uh, so we have the number one recruited guy, Matthew Taylor, who was in an 11-11 from Conference 13. Poor minus local, poor plus win, good minus impact. He ends up in Seattle. Uh, so what do you see here? Saying hello, Seattle. Um, That's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the impact preference uh, is there for a reason. Um, I think he was relying on that here. Yep. Uh, Seattle ended up number 118 last year at 12 and 12. Um, he looks like looks at a team like that uh, and, you know, wants to be the guy. They graduated their second best class. Um, mm-hmm. They're returning a sub 200 class of sophomores. Um, and they're just they're just groping for talent at this point. So um, a guy like him is going to make a huge difference on that team. Yep. 100 percent agree. Graduating Jeremiah Addy. He gets a slot right into that center position. All right. We have uh, Dakota Jackson. This one hits a little bit home for you. So he's from conference 26. He was in a four, four. He was poor plus local poor plus win and E minus impact ends up with Clemson. Yeah. I really uh, wish you would on him. The, our team, we needed a, a point guard after we graduated ours. Um, uh, I think he's going to be pretty good um, for that. And I'm salty about losing him. As you said, uh, the, you know, Clemson had the, the impact on their way with, uh, you know, with, with being just above two, uh, ranking 200 last year. Um, not a class on their roster last year above 200. So when you look at the impact preferences, it's, it's pretty heavily in their favor. I think that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is this class mm-hmm. comes in 154, 142. And and you expect to if you're landing a four four that at least the second number is going to be a lot lower. Um, but 
Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I think I think it's a definitely an underrated class because uh, Santa Maria, uh, which I do not practice, um, their center that they landed uh, has a sixty percent true shooting, uh, and so uh, on fifty point five points. And so I would have assumed that this team would be a lot do better. You, but do you I, got uh, crystal ball? Who knows? Oh no! If I had a million dollars, I'd okay. spend it all probably though. Yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know if you caught that. I was just going to keep moving. I don't ever not catch and it. And see if anyone caught it. <laughs> I know. That's a good point. Um, okay, we talked about Ruben Noble, so we're going to move to just, uh, Josue Kraft, uh, the French power forward, um, who was a 1-1, uh, who was poor local, E-minus, win and fair impact. He ended up going with Gulf Shores, part of that 1-2 class, uh, and he spurned the defending champs, Waterloo. Uh, so yeah. what do you I see mean, here? I, you want to win, but you don't go with the team that wants to, or that just won the whole thing. Um, so a bit surprising. Right? And I'm sure as on top of the world, as coach G money must feel right now, um, this, this one probably uh, brings him down a peg or two. Yep. Yeah. I'll tell you as someone who won the NTT three seasons ago, uh, so I win the NTT and then I land a math class. Um, it, it is so we, our brains so quickly move to the negative that like, I did not celebrate or enjoy my, um, my class at all. And so I'm, I'm sure he's just like kind of disappointed that he didn't land this guy who's, who looks pretty good and like a great value for a one, uh, one. So, uh, in, in craft, you know, he was, he was getting 4.6 blocks per game and 5.3 assists. Yeah. I can't uh, believe he's so. only a one-one, but that put right? the ten-ten yeah. on Absolutely Palmer into ridiculous. perspective. Right, exactly. Where it's like, yeah, Kraft has more holes. He's six-nine, which I think sometimes blocks don't translate as much uh, to the college game. But but still, come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, another confusing one. I yeah. thought he was for sure going to go with Waterloo, but. All right, uh, so we have Joshua Tyler from Conference One. He was uh, a three-three with a fair uh, local E plus impact, or sorry, win and N minus impact. So really, just wanted to win. He once again was one of Waterloo's guys, uh, but he landed with Pittsburgh. Yeah, you could say the same uh, thing. So what do you see? You here, know Coach? about uh, Waterloo and Gulf Shores. You could about Waterloo and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a good team, though. Um, they they did, did they win the PNTT? Right. They were up there. They oh. did not win it. Uh, that was uh, Rockford, but yeah, they yeah, ended they, up I mean, getting to the final. Really four, great team, and and Pittsburgh is bringing back uh, all their starters except Christopher Betts, who led them in scoring. Um, so I don't know that uh, Tyler is necessarily going to slide into that spot. Um, they might have. Uh, looks like they do have some guys on the bench that could potentially fight for it, but um, definitely a team with a winning pedigree and with a lot of talent that's going to win a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, okay. And then let's go to our final guy. So it's Christian Spencer, who was a six, six with fair minus local, uh, excellent win and fair minus impact. Uh, he landed with Tallahassee, um, which uh, you would look at the guys on his list and Miami and Blacksburg were on him. So some really heavy hitters. Tallahassee was a, uh, an NTT team last year, but finished 58th in the NTT. So that's uh, what, like, Four losses, one win, and then a loss, I think. Um, something like that. 
Uh, um, first so, of all, yeah, what first of all, shout out uh, Christian Spencer's uh, namesake, Chris Spencer. I don't know if he listens to this, but he's a coach in the league. Um, yeah, uh, I, oh, nice. you know, Tallahassee, um, they they look pretty good on paper with with Spencer in the lineup. Um, I would have right. I would have thought Blacksburg or Miami right. had a, a a real good shot here um, with that win preference. Um, I think about Miami's roster losing uh, Peter F. Holmes um, and, you know, the opportunity to fill those shoes. Um, so he kind of went against the prep in that sense. Um, but I do think there's potentially a, a bigger impact for him in Tallahassee. Uh, fair minus isn't nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So even though it's not a huge preference, I think there's something there. And that's probably what he saw compared to one of those more elite level teams. Yep, yep. I think that's spot on. And they they graduate their only guy who was over six eight. Uh, I guess they have a couple of other guys who were six eight, but rode the bench. And so he's going to get to make a big impact. And they come in as the fifth ranked team in the nation um, after making their uh, first NTT in a while last year. And so this team has a lot of talent. And I this is a great example. Sorry, I didn't I knew see exactly this. What you're their say. class is ranked one oh six seven. Yeah, that's absurd. That is a ridiculous difference. And so I think Christian Spencer is the real deal. Uh, he has to be really, really good in order for that to be the case. Because the other two guys look very similar, but meh. You know, Tyshawn Peters is probably better than yeah, I mean, on a good On a good team, those guys difference. are probably going to be at um, eight anyway. Right, exactly, exactly. And so the 106.7 class is hilarious to me. Uh, it's kind of like right. that 49.1 class that Ocala has. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, anyways, that is. Can I give you one other thought on a team any other in thoughts? our conference, oh, real quick? Um, so Carlsbad of uh, is a relatively new coach to this league. Coach AJ Drenth. Um, they just signed the thirty-eight twenty class, which is by far the best class uh, in this human coach's history. Um, last year, they ended uh, ranked one thirty. Ironically, they actually dropped to 165 uh, with this class. Um, but they did sign Douglas Burris um, out of uh, Tacoma. So a 6'6 power forward, 49% from the field, 55% true shooting, 13 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.4 steal, 1.4 blocks. So um, not the biggest guy, but looks to be the guy that's going to be kind of the defensive cornerstone for them moving forward and by far the most talented player that uh, has come through Carlsbad since the coaching turnover. So just a shout out to them. Uh, I know it was a monster day for him, you know, as a coach who's really getting his uh, sea legs under him in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And the other two guys are pretty decent, you know, Um, he, you should let him know though, that uh, poor minus local does (laughs) not mean that uh, that is in his favor. He, he and I were on a guy together that, it was well. I don't. Again, I don't even know if I broke the tie, but he was a poor minus local to your conference, and he stayed on them the whole way. Um, but hey, sometimes that's what we got to do when uh, when nothing else is going on. But congrats to him. Uh, congrats to all you guys who got good classes. Commiserations uh, along with me to those who didn't. But remember, uh, at the end of the day, it's just a game that we're having fun with, right? So 